Welcome to Psychedelicast. Hosted by Clinton Cayley, this show is an interview-based podcast focused on offering listeners in-depth information concerning plant medicines, entheogens, and all subjects tangential to psychedelia. Join us in prying open the third eye. Greetings, fellow travelers of the multiverse. Welcome to Psychedelicast. It is I, Clinton Kaylee, your faithful host. Dudes, I am super sorry that we missed our release date last week. We're a week late with today's No Trip Sitter episode. Please, a thousand pardons. I beg your forgiveness. Hopefully, this cool episode, which is kind of a trip report of mine in a recent peyote prayer circle, um, will make up for that. I hope you guys enjoy this. And uh, beyond that, let's do our thing. Let's get into the story. And uh, let's get you guys a No Trip Sitter episode in the books. Thank you for joining us. If yourself or someone else that you know has any project, podcast, business, product, or service that they'd like to promote via Psychedelicast, please reach out to us at our social media taglines. Those are at Psychedelicast on Facebook and Instagram. Or you can email me directly at clintonkaylee at gmail.com. We can discuss promotional packages. We can discuss podcast ad sharing, things like that. Please reach out to me. We are interested in looking for promotions for the show. Thank you. All right, you know what time it is, guys. Hit us up on the social medias at Psychedelicast for Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That's the best way to keep up with the show. We post a lot of cool shit there. You can engage with us, be involved. Um, Just hit us up, man. We like to engage with you guys. It's the coolest, most fun part of creating a podcast. Doing all this editing, producing, recording, working on shows is not fun. Uh... Fucking around with you guys on the internet is fun. So hit us up at Psychedelicast on all social media platforms. Thank you. Let's hit you guys with a psychedelic review. So today I'm actually going to review for you guys something we haven't done before, which is a piece of literature. Um, I'm going to review for you a book called Ayahuasca, Soul Medicine of the Amazon Jungle, written by a one Mr. Javier Reguiro. Um, I read this book, rather I should say I consumed it in audio form. It's available on uh, Audible, um, and that's how I listen to it. That's how I consume most books that I read, quote-unquote, air quotes, read these days because I just it's an easier way for me to consume things. Um, but I consumed this piece of literature about mm, a month prior to my ayahuasca journey uh, last October. I decided that after all the research and videos I had watched and all the books I had read that I was going to, you know, get to the 30-day out mark and I was going to discontinue consuming anything to do with ayahuasca because I had already pretty much intaken all I could handle. And I thought, you know what, let's go ahead and have the experience and try not to further color it through other people's descriptions. And it was funny because during my ayahuasca experience, it's like Grandmother Ayahuasca is laughing at me, asking me if all of my research and studying uh, had prepared me. And absolutely it did not. Um, but this book, however, would give a someone – what's the best way to put this? Someone who is going into this experience for the first time, this would be one of the main um, constituents of my research <clears throat> recommendations for you guys. I think this is a good place to start. 
Um, the book summary from audible.com is more and more people from all walks of life and spiritual and religious backgrounds feel drawn to ayahuasca in often surprising ways. In this revised and expanded edition of Ayahuasca Soul Medicine of the Amazon Jungle, author Javier Reguiro offers a guide for those new to the use of this powerful medicine that originates in the Amazon rainforest. Javier Reguiro not only provides general information about ayahuasca, but he bridges the cultural gap between the native and the current uses of ayahuasca by Westerners. This guide offers background about the plant medicine, its history, and how to engage with and learn through its use. It includes stories of Javier's personal experience of transformation, as well as stories from those he's guided in ceremony. Addressed to the ever-increasing number of people who approach this medicine for their own personal healing and development, this guidebook provides clear and practical advice on how to use this therapeutic modality in a fashion that is meaningful to modern people for a maximum benefit. Javier Reguiro, uh, born in Lugano, 1965, is a plant medicine maestro and author of Spanish descent, born and raised in Switzerland. He's a certified massage therapist, rebirther, and an avatar master, as well as a student of A Course in Miracles. He moved to Peru in 2004 to study Amazonian plant medicine and shamanism, working with indigenous and mestizo ayahuasqueros in the Iquitos and Pucolpa areas. Since 2005, Javier has been a student of Don Francisco Montes Huna, a plant medicine maestro and perfumero of Capanahua descent. With his teacher's blessing, he became a full-time ayahuasquero in 2006. Since then, he has been leading plant medicine ceremonies, retreats, and plant dietas for groups and individuals at his own Ayaruna Center in Pisac, Peru. His commitment is to make ayahuasca, San Pedro, and other plant medicines available to all people who feel called to engage with these medicines for personal healing and spiritual growth. He is an advocate for the safe and discerning use of these medicines and is the author of the books Ayahuasca, Soul Medicine of the Amazon Jungle, and San Pedro Huachuma, Opening the Pathways of the Heart. These are available worldwide in print, Kindle, and Audible formats. His free Plant Medicine Transmissions podcast is available on YouTube, SoundCloud, and iTunes. He speaks fluent English, Spanish, French, German, and Italian. A man of many talents, Mr. Javier Reguiro. Uh, as I stated earlier, guys, we won't go too much into it. I think you should read this for yourself. If you are considering, considering taking your own ayahuasca journey, whether it be stateside or uh, in South America... Um, this is a great place to start your research and education in these in these areas. Um, I would give this reading as a, an informative tool. I would give it eight out of ten uh, cups of ayahuasca. Now, however, I would never recommend that you drink eight or ten cups of ayahuasca. That's just you know I'm trying to give these like little rating systems like cute psychedelic themed names. Uh, beyond that, guys, if you're interested in learning more about plant medicines in general, this guy is an excellent center of information and obviously uh, very experienced in these realms. So check out the book uh, Ayahuasca, the Soul Medicine of the Amazon Jungle by Javier Reguiro for an introduction and uh, some good information concerning these topics. Let's get into our reading about a peyote ceremony with the Native American Church. Thank you. Peyote, the Divine Messenger The teepee is crowded. Around the perimeter of the interior, roughly 50 people sit on or near the bare ground in a double row. 
Initially, this feels claustrophobic, but will come to feel quite cozy and secure. I am one of the first seated, my back almost against the teepee canvas, my head brushing it often due to the angle. The night is cold. The fireman begins to build a blaze in the center of the temple, diligently working long cedar bows into a warm spire. As the flame builds and the, re and the relatives enter the teepee, the atmosphere relaxes into a comfortable glow. A large, serious-looking man in a denim coat sits near the entrance exit to the teepee, the doorman. His job seems to be advising people how to move around inside the teepee as well as upholding the various rules that govern this ceremony unbeknownst to most of us. He is a stern man, but I can tell that his heart is big. Opposite of the door, at the head of the altar, presides the roadman, akin more to a master of ceremony than a shaman. He holds up a dried button of peyote. This is the shaman, he says. If you don't like something about the ceremony, take it up with him. If you do like something, you can let me know. This quip elicits a giggle from the crowd. How many are in a peyote ceremony for the first time? The roadman questions. Twenty-nine hands go up. The men conducting the ceremony exchange surprised looks and words. None of them have ever seen such a large crowd of first-timers. The roadman counts this as a blessing and continues. The altar is an earthen barrier erected about the fire in a half-moon shape. The soil has been raised about four inches and appears perfectly symmetrical, creating a barrier between the fire and the roadman. Before it are laid various ceremonial tools, feathers, drum, shaker, a bag of cedar shavings, and two large glass jars filled with dingy green liquid. There are several children in ceremony, ranging from roughly one year old to probably seven years old. I count four children in total. The crowd is mostly male, mostly my age, but a good smattering of women and people that the roadman considers elders. A quiet man next to me appears to be at least 60 years old. I have only my ayahuasca experiences available to compare to. In that context, this plant medicine ceremony could not be more different. Ayahuasca is an almost unguided Olympic sled luge into a chaotic, insanity-shaking, cerebral experience alone in the dark. This ceremony is lit by a gorgeously tended fire, it holds a strict structure and rule set, is communal in nature, and is constantly engaging the participant in various ways. There are traditional songs and moments of La Gran Silencia, but we are not alone in the dark hanging onto a psychedelic steer for dear life. Although reverent in atmosphere, I do not feel the gripping seriousness or immediacy of the ayahuasca experience. In this way, this ceremony is an ideal introduction to plant medicine, in my opinion. As we settle into the night, the roadman begins to pass around the medicine. The sacrament is bountiful tonight. Each variation follows its predecessor from person to person. He recommends that first-timers take two scoops of powder and a swig of tea. I follow his instructions when the little golden pot of green powder reaches me. It is bitter and begins to rehydrate as soon as I put it in my mouth. I wash it down with tea, then repeat. Not the worst thing I have ever tasted. Gritty, strong, a strong flavor of chlorophyll goes down easily. The roadman then moves around the crowd, handing each person a heaping spooned mixture of peyote, cacao, and honey that his mother prepared. This is actually quite delicious. I, sit, I settle back, relaxing my mind and body, knowing that mescaline is notoriously slow-acting and moving. I will admit, up until the point of actually consuming the cactus, I was fairly anxious about it. The moment I ate, the fear dissipated entirely. The ceremony continues with intervals of drum beating and singing and quiet prayers. 
Occasionally, people in the crowd are asked to express themselves or to speak. This engagement puts me at ease, and before I realize it, I have slipped into a dreamlike state. The shadows cast by the flames and moving members of the ceremony dance a bit more than they should. I feel sleepy, yet focused. My thoughts move slowly, molasses in the cold. I can follow them down, down deeply into my psyche. Nothing moves quickly. The words of the roadman take on deeper significance. I close my eyes, and there it is. Instantly, my field of view is overtaken by visions of titanic machinations, inorganic clockwork moving parts. There are horizontal vistas of multicolored lightning flashes, tunnels with walls of eyes watching me. I move through this world at the atomic level, entering the realm of the minute. I do not feel disconnected from my body. If I open my eyes, the visions cease, but I follow these visions as I pray. Huge, cyclopean, extraterrestrial ships hover otherworldly, gigantic machines working in psychedelic synchronicity as I look on. I pray for the healing and prosperity of my family. I have a vision of each person I consider family standing before me with lightning bolts flashing in the sky above them. My brother, the lightning strikes each of his hands, his mouth, his forehead. Rachel, it hits her heart, her head, her hands. Todd, lightning strikes his lower back, his forehead. Myself, the lightning touches many aspects of my body. So on like that, person after person, touched by divine electricity in this ethereal plane. I am losing my grip on time. How long have I been praying? How long have my eyes been closed? Does it matter? Beyond the closed-eye visuals, the psychedelic effect is very gentle, less cerebral and mind-bending, more like a dreamy clarity. Slow ripples of understanding expand from the initial idea, and I follow them in the roadman's words and in the various phases of the ceremony, deciphering hidden lessons from both. I find the effect to be less biting and to the point than ayahuasca, less mind-muddying than psilocybin, more emotionally engaging and heart-opening. I know that if I take twice what I have taken thus far, the oceanic sensation might engulf me. Next time I will. The moment of silence is broken by the rhythmic beating of a drum and the ceremony's energy builds again. The roadman is so similar to the Christian pastors of my youth in mannerism and speech effect that I find it funny. He quips, hands down life lessons, and advises exactly as a pastor would. The name and teachings of Jesus Christ are invoked many times throughout the night, and I wonder how many of those churchgoers of my youth would find this profane, a bastardization of Christianity, when I have never felt closer to any God. I can tell you this much, this is the most interesting church service I have ever attended. The medicine moves around the room again. I take a slightly larger dose, but not the double dose I should take. I expect this dose to piggyback on the first. I overanalyze instead of following my intuition. In hindsight, I would have doubled the second dose. I see the doses consumed by the men conducting the ceremony. I estimate that they consume two to three times more than I consume each time. When it is all said and done, I believe that I have consumed what would be considered a light dose of peyote. The power is there. I catch a good glimpse, but I am not overwhelmed and raptured as one most certainly could be. A small woman near me takes a dose similar to mine and has what appears to be a difficult experience. My experience is completely devoid of psychological stress. I have no negative effect of any kind. My only discomfort comes from sitting on the ground all night. But the mescaline makes even this inconvenience trivial. The men who have taken doses which must be potently psychedelic when compared with mine seem unimpaired. They hold their positions, maneuvering and manipulating the ceremony with no adverse effect. 
I find this impressive, but you know how to get to Carnegie Hall, right? Practice. As the ceremony winds down, the men begin to express themselves. The level of respect and intimacy shown amongst them is moving. I find myself near tears several times for different reasons. For one, they express a certain degree of connection toward one another as men that I long for. They speak openly about personal subjects and hold each other with highest esteem and honor. This is an aspect of ceremonial tradition that I miss and would like to engage in further. This makes me think of my relationships to the men of my family. Here, I find grief. Grief at the severed relationship with my father. I feel unsure as to how I should approach this relationship or lack thereof. Though I have brought this with me into all of my medicine journeys of the last year, I have received no pragmatic understanding. Pain. Pain that I do not feel this level of intimacy in my relationships with most men of my family. I feel a strong call to rekindle this connection among my male counterparts. A sense of loss of community or of missing my tribe is present. I long for the deep connection that these men share cultivated via extended periods of time together in deeper states of consciousness. I feel a sense of sadness that my family is not here with me, that we could all experience this together, maybe it could heal us. I feel a sense of alienation that I am undergoing these intense moments alone, moments of what I believe to be transformation of the most profound ilk. I was alone in Peru, I am alone again. All of these emotions are amplified acutely so that I do find myself in tears when I again open my eyes. The women are about to bring in the sacreds, bison meat, corn, berries, and water. The sky is lightning outside. Soon we will greet the sun. The weight of these emotions and understandings is not crushing me, but the veil is being lifted. I am open, able, and ready to feel and release these emotions, and I believe I have done so through my tears and my moments sitting with my thoughts and praying. Now, I feel the empowerment of venturing alone into the dark. Although fear is present, although most would deem these journeys unconventional, I am willing to go forward. I feel the hope that I may be the one to alter my family's traditions and reinstate a deeper, more intimate community there. I understand that I am only just beginning this journey and there are many layers to peel back, infinite lessons to learn, never-ending vistas of the mind to explore. I feel gratitude. My grieving ends. We partake of each of the sacred foods and exit the teepee in unison. It is cold outside. It is foggy. But it is a beautiful morning. Well, Psychedelicasters, I hope that you enjoyed that trip report, description of experience, whatever you'd like to call it. Um, this is another one I think that's pretty self-explanatory and kind of goes into everything I was feeling. Uh, you know, there were these deep emotional uh, states that I entered, uh, portions of grief, portions of mourning, and then there were these amazing portions of gratitude and hopefulness, and uh, all that came up towards the end as, as I had already kind of watched and kind of uh, soaked up everything that was going on. Uh, I got most of my revelation, if you will, from this uh, ceremony right near the end where everything kind of came together for me and I, I really feel like I understood what I was supposed to get from that experience. And it was a beautiful, gentle, 
and very compassionate experience, uh, much less intense and a word that I've used before to describe ayahuasca, violent than that experience. Um, I found it to be a particularly enjoyable way to consume plant medicine. And I think it would be an excellent way for someone who is interested to kind of get their first taste of what the experience is like, especially in a ceremonial setting. Um, that being said, um, these can be hard to find, and there are some questions of legal, uh, pardon me, questions of ethicality concerning the consumption of physical consumption of peyote cactus because it's near, it's endangered uh, in its natural habitat, which is southern Texas and northern Mexico. And so there are some questions about that, but the shaman or the roadman assured us that this peyote had been ethically uh, collected and farmed for this specific reason. And um, so I felt a reasonable amount of, um, I felt okay with, with doing it like that. Um, I think that there needs to be some conservation efforts, and I know that there are some going on. I wish that the United States government would ease up with this bullshit and let us grow our own medicinal healing plants, uh, peyote certainly being one of those, because peyote is a very, is an extremely and notoriously slow-growing cactus. Um, it takes a long time to grow, and it takes a short time to consume. So, you know, do your research on that before my recommendation would be to do your research on that before going into clandestine peyote consumption. Now, I was uh, undergoing this ceremony with the Native American church, church in a totally legal setting. Uh, that being said, um, there are a lot of things to consider before undertaking this ceremony. Um, beyond all that, I hope you guys enjoyed that description. Let's do our quote, and we'll see you guys next week for an interview with Chi out of Amsterdam. We recorded while he was in, I don't want to misspeak here, but I believe in Peru. I could be mistaken. We'll learn for sure next week when we speak with him. He runs a psilocybin mushroom therapy retreat or did at one point and is continuing to look for a place to set that all up uh, elsewhere in the world. He did that out of Amsterdam, actually. Um, very, very interesting chat. Can't wait to drop that one for you guys. Uh, a week from whenever this one is released. Thank you guys so much. Let's do our quote. And we will leave you here with a little quote from a man named Antonin R. Todd. In consciousness dwells the wondrous. With it, man attains the realm beyond the material. And the peyote tells us where to find it. Thank you once again for joining us for a No Trip Sitter episode of Psychedelicast. We love you all, and we appreciate you for spending time with us in the attempt to pry open the third eye. You guys take care.